This is Socrates and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. to episode 175 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, as always, and I'm joined by Mr. Lars Pollmann. Good morning, Lars. Good morning, Stefan. How are you doing? Ah, well, that's the very first podcast where I cannot feel my face, but I'm afraid I have to tell our listeners that uh, we have to redo last night's episode because uh, one track sadly got lost in the post, uh, just was not usable, so we have to do it again uh, so just so you know this episode will be a little bit shorter and instead of talking about Benfica we decided to only talk about Borussia Dortmund's 3-0 win in Freiburg and preview the match against Leverkusen and then we'll deliver a Benfica preview after the Leverkusen match probably around Sunday or Monday so stick around for that but so. it's so sad Stefan that our exclusive transfer news we picked out yesterday they w we won't repeat them today won't we ah uh, all right our our major exclusive brand new big signing news uh that i broke <laughs> yesterday what they've lost forever oh uh, yeah sure yeah they they those got lost i guess i don't know i wasn't listening so uh one of the reason why we have to do it again so um last um, we had a, we had a new segment in which we, uh, mentioned that Mario Götze had metabolic disorder, but I guess everyone else heard that anyway, so we'll just not m mention it again, because basically what we said is that we don't want to speculate about things, and so, um, we'll talk about the hard facts, hard cold facts on this podcast, and, uh, that was Dortmund having one of their best games of the season in Freiburg. You know, one could say, as always, because they usually pull out the good performance against Freiburg, it was a 12 consecutive win. Um, so, Lars, since it's just you now, takeaways, give them to me. Yeah, I would agree that it was uh, certainly the best road performance in the Bundesliga this season, which isn't too difficult seeing as it was only their third road win of the season, I think, after beating Wolfsburg 5-1, which uh, we all remember wasn't really a 5-1 in terms of the performance, and uh, the, what was it, 4-2 or 5-2 against Hamburg, which, you know, was Hamburg, and in itself, uh, because of uh, that, obviously, um, a surprise, but I think the performance against Freiburg was much better than that. Um, I wouldn't... They also beat Bremen on the road, right? Oh, yeah, it was the fourth one, right? Um, yeah. But certainly the best road performance, and I would uh, wouldn't hesitate to put it in the best three or five performances of the entire season, just in terms of the dominance they showed. They were really putting the game to Freiburg from, from basically the first whistle to the final minute. Uh, there was never a doubt about the result, even when they missed some chances. Um, I don't really remember Roman Bürki having to make a single save against uh, a Freiburg shot or something, I think. Uh, If we look at the expected goals numbers, uh, we did that yesterday and you said you had Dortmund at 4.8 or something. 
Yeah, 4.88 and yeah. Freiburg at 0.59. And actually, Birki had to make one save where I don't even remember who took the shot, but from a, from a close angle. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember yeah. that. So it can't have been a great chance for them. No, no, it wasn't really. It wasn't like Birki really had to uh, stretch out to uh, earn his money. Yeah. Which, which kind of sounds wrong, but I mean, it's, it's 9 a.m. So cut me some slack here. Continue last. You were in the flow. I didn't want to break it up. Yeah, I just wanted to make the point uh, that Dortmund actually had a higher expected goals number against Freiburg than Bayern had uh, against Hamburg in their 8-0 win at home. So that shows just how dominant this really was. And with better finishing, um, they could have really made it a blowout. And I think if Aubameyang scores in the first half, uh, they probably win 5 or 6. They were just that good. Yeah, there were a couple of cities uh, which were missed once again by Mr. Aubameyang, but only uh, not only by him. Um, but uh, maybe we can talk about the first goal briefly. Rafael Guerrero with a nice delivery. Socrates uh, tips it in with a set, uh, lands right between or well, between the, the goalkeeper and the post, more or less. Uh, was well placed. I don't know if it was that intended, but uh, you know, at the end, nobody cares. Um, it's really good to have Guerrero's set piece deliveries back because I think they are one of the best in, in the team. I think only Marco Royce is. Uh, equally good or close to it and uh yeah that happened in the 13th minute and more or less rewarded Dortmund for a very very dominant opening quarter of an hour um I mean we we had uh we saw this chance of uh Marco Royce who uh pressed Schwolo the goalkeeper of Freiburg not not too much actually it was just uh, a screw up by the goalkeeper maybe a bit of nerves and maybe a bit of sun that was shining in his face so he just couldn't really see much i don't know what it was but uh yeah the ball landed well for royce and he tried to put it through to Aubameyang, but uh, he just couldn't reach it so that was i think the first major chance and uh maybe uh did something psychology psychologically with freiburg who uh then yeah showed even more nerves at least in my impression they looked a bit more nervy than they usually do and uh yeah their accuracy wasn't really good and Dortmund added to it with their relentless pressing I must say especially in the first 15 minutes that uh yeah Freiburg hardly had any build-up play and Dortmund could really keep the ball in, in Freiburg's half and then keep the foot down and the pressure on Freiburg and I, I think that really set the tone for the entire game more or less and uh, yeah, the early lead also more or, le more or less lent meant that Dortmund had more comfort and Freiburg more nerves. And uh, yeah, it could have been easily 2-0 or 3-0 at halftime already. But um, yeah, it wasn't to be. But it, it didn't really take too long in the, in the second half for uh, Aubameyang to get on the score sheet. And Tuchel said it. And I think everyone else thought it at this point that Aubameyang to break his tiny dry speed dry spell uh to yeah just he, he just needed to tap in from from like half a yard out or something which is exactly what happened um marco reus had his second nutmeg of the game against suyunchu which was i think what was it just a carbon copy of the first move the way he nutmegged him yeah it looked pretty similar um i think the positioning on the pitch wasn't quite the same he was much closer to the touchline uh, for the second one but he basically dragged his foot and then uh, dropped his shoulder and went right through Suyunchu, who's one of the highest rated young defenders in the Bundesliga. So that was uh, certainly uh, audacious to try to try it for a second time. And it, that it actually worked just showed how 
how much better Dortmund were than Freiburg on the day, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was a really shrewd move, uh, but not only, uh, Royce's assist, you know, we also have to lot Weigel's ball into, into the path of Royce behind the back line. We've seen this a couple of times this season by Weigel, but obviously it always looks really nice when it happens because it looks like a very intelligent ball, but we also have to say that, that, uh, Freiburg at this level looked like a very, looked like the Portuguese side because there was hardly any pressure on Weigel, so he, could pick out the pass, uh, which, uh, yeah, if I was Christian Streich, I was, would always mark out Weigel, but, you know, that's just me. Um, Christian Streich also said after the game that, uh, you know, the, he, he made a tactical error playing too offensively. I don't, I don't know if, 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 uh, we can really read much into it, but, uh, I think after 20 minutes or so, Freiburg changed from a back four to a back five. Didn't really, Had Freiburg though too too much I thought. No, I think um, I first of all I wouldn't agree with Streich that he set up his team too uh, uh, offensively. I think uh, they moved uh, Maximilian Philipp from the wing to the second striker position with Yannick uh, Habra suspended. Um, so uh, one could argue that they actually uh, had fewer uh, all-out uh, attacking players on the pitch um, with Honor Bulut coming in on the right wing, and he was the scapegoat. Uh, to get subbed off for tactical reasons after 20 minutes, as you mentioned. And the reason he, uh, Streich, uh, went to a back five was that Dortmund stretched them so much with their wing play because, uh, Tuchel once again went with back three and, uh, Eric Dorm as right wing back and Rafael Guerrero for, could be the first time actually, uh, at, uh, left wing back. So they had so much width on the pitch, uh, Dortmund had that, uh, Freiburg was stretched too much. And uh, I think uh, especially Dorm had a number of opportunities in the first 15, 20 minutes, uh, which I guess he didn't really uh, make the best use of. But he had Dortmund had a, a more technically sound better player there uh, at that spot. They probably would have been up by two or three goals because their Freiburg's left uh, defensive side was wide open for uh, Dorm and Dembele basically the entire opening quarter of an hour. So... Uh, Streich substitution after 20 minutes didn't have much to do, I think, with the team being set up uh, too offensively, but rather with him being surprised by Dortmund's approach, uh, both tactically and uh, perhaps also with personnel. Yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, it's, it's really nice to see that Thomas Tuchel finds a way to utilize the strength of uh, Eric Dom, which is, you know, which is a stamina and uh, a stamina because he's just such a relentless runner and he can really stretch opponents and uh you know that running and and him trying to to uh shut down Vincenzo Grifo uh yeah helped Dortmund to create a space also for Dembele who who played on the on the right wing more or less in, in this game after I wrote in the preview to this game that uh you know was such a shrewd move of Tuchel to put Dembele more centrally and then of course he plays more on the wing that's just the uh, luck of the <laughs> Writer, but uh, yeah, commentator's curse, Stefan. Yeah, of course, but um, you know, he, Dembele still arguably had a good game, although not his very best. But uh, yeah, it it uh, deserves to be pointed out that it was a nice tactical move, and I also liked uh, Guerrero on the on the left side. I think against a team that wasn't really attacking down Dortmund's left, uh, it it was 
actually a, a good choice to admit Marcel Schmelz. I don't know if it was a tactical reason or, or just to, to rest the left back, considering Dortmund would have played a, a number of games in the next weeks. Of course, they now just got a rest by not playing against Lotte as the game was called off. But nevertheless, Rafael Guerrero um, did impress me. He often moved uh, into the half spaces a bit more centrally, but he also had a lot of forward passes. And I would say without having checked it now that uh, were a couple more uh, vertical balls than Marcel Schmelzer usually plays, which gave Dortmund uh, yeah, even even more vertical edge and, and uh, a bit more directness, especially as Marco Reus ran into these... Um, areas of the pitch where he then was more or less on the left wing so um yeah there were a couple of balls also that were overhit by Guerrero and a couple of misunderstandings but uh, I think this this can be a really good option against uh, inferior opponents where you don't really expect to uh you know defend too much and especially defensively I thought Guerrero also did a good job especially uh you know to 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 shut down and then to to have a quick defensive transition which uh, wasn't always the case when he played in the middle so um yeah that that was uh that was a positive impression and i assume we will see more of that if toho really wants to have a positive ball retention especially if he wants to uh yeah have a, one more central midfielder on the pitch that isn't Guerrero i.e. Gonzalo Castro, who also, I think, had a good game. Although somewhere on Twitter I read that uh, if that's more or less the indicator for a poor opponent <laughs> if Castro is having a good game. But, uh, you know, I'll uh, leave that one to you, Mr. Polman. Yeah, I think he was good. But uh, as regular listeners know, a good performance from Gonzalo Castro is really the indicator for a bad performance coming in because he's so inconsistent despite his... Uh, wealth of experience and his uh, age. I think he's uh, Bar Pischek. He's probably the oldest player on the pitch most of the time for Dortmund this season. So um, he he should be more consistent. But I agree that he was really good against Freiburg. And I want to make a quick note about Guerrero. I think um, you you nailed it on the head that Tuchel will go for this more often against inferior opposition when they can expect to have uh, a vast majority of the ball. But I think. In the big games, uh, towards the meaty end of the season, uh, and we hope, of course, that Dortmund are going to be in some big games, uh, the rest of the way. Um, the, the clear cut choice has to be Schmelzer, not only because he's the captain, but also because he's much more sound defensively, uh, more tactically astute, uh, at left back. I think Guerrero has real issues defending, um, especially with his, uh, head facing his own goal. So in counterattacking situations and, and, uh, the like, uh, he doesn't really have the greatest sense of positioning defensively um so that could be a problem if they try to do that in a uh Champions League quarterfinal or something like that 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 wouldn't be my choice I think Tuchel likes Guerrero in the center in those games but I think he also wanted to um give Guerrero the opportunity to play on the left wing where he's a bit more comfortable at the moment uh, after his injury he had he didn't look too great in central midfield, although he didn't make many mistakes, but just his decision making was off a bit at times. He lost too many balls at times, and I think it's easier for players to play out on the wing because the the sideline is your friend, as coaches say, and uh, uh, as you said, uh, the game is much more vertical there. Um, you don't have to uh, glance over your shoulder all the time to see uh, players in your cover shadow and all the, all the, all the things that make central midfield the most uh, important, but also one of the more difficult positions to play, so I think that was really a good Good idea just to get 
uh, Guerrero a game in a more comfortable setting, and, and he really did make the best of it. I think he was one of the better players on the pitch. Yeah, funnily enough, maybe one of the few games where Guerrero actually played on a position for which he was intended to sign. At least that's what I assume that Dortmund more or less had this left wing back role in mind for him when they signed him. And, uh, you know, it only became evident a bit later in training that he's just that good that you can also put him in the middle where he see more, where he is more efficient, especially considering that Dortmund didn't really sign a replacement for Ilkay Gunuan and always needed to come up with something to uh, have more creativity in the middle. But, uh, yeah, in this game, it, it all worked out for the best, I would say. Um, you know, Marco Royce also had a fairly good game. If uh, we look at his gegenpressing, which uh, of course is is trademark Marco Royce, but nevertheless uh, never ceases to amaze me because uh, you know for some reason to me that always speaks out that he is a leader and that he is uh, never you know uh, too arrogant or whatever to to not uh, put in this shift. But then again, uh, Marco Royce also we have to point it out sometimes shows his frustrations on, on and wears it on his sleeve. When, uh, you know, an attacking play doesn't really go his way or, or Dortmund's way at all. When there's a bad decision, you know, he just flails his arms in frustration. So, which is something he, he shouldn't show, I feel, I find. But, uh, yeah, that's what he sometimes does. And, um, yeah. But nevertheless, he picked himself up. And of course, we do have to mention Mr. Aubameyang grabbing a brace. Um, I think that will only be good for his confidence. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, but we will only see against uh, Leverkusen and Benfica how good it really was for his confidence. Uh, you know, I would like to have seen him score another one or two goals against Lotte, but yeah, that won't happen now. So we will have to wait against Leverkusen. And, uh, yeah, we can also not end the Freiburg segment before we mention the uh, really nice through ball of Mr. Dembele, who was not pressured in the middle and found Eric Dom, who made a really well-timed run. And, uh, you know, Last you said it on a podcast that never aired, and I agree with you. I expected Doom to take the shot, but he squared it to Aubameyang, and uh, yeah, he more or less then had an empty net finish, which uh, looked easy at at first glance. But uh, in replay, it showed you know it wasn't just a easy tap in because he actually had to move his body in an angle I maybe wouldn't have. So um, yeah, he to direct the ball still on target wasn't that easy so it was a was a good move overall uh i thought all goals by dortmund looked really nice and as you mentioned it could have been some more uh, for dortmund obviously a good uh, match day since hoffenheim dropped two points in gelsenkirchen they are now two points clear i don't know if it's for the first time of the season but they are in third place now uh with out uh, anyone else being level on points with them but obviously they have to keep it up and that brings us right to Leverkusen because we had the discussion a big game against Benfica coming up but uh, Dortmund cannot allow themselves to uh, drop any points in the Bundesliga or prioritize the Champions League because uh, they need the Champions League in the next year as well just uh, you know to reach their long-term goals and to uh, basically uh, what's the word here Sufficient. I don't know what you're looking for. I mean, it's about money, obviously. Um, Dortmund need the Champions League money to be competitive uh, in the Bundesliga with, uh, I mean, you can't be competitive with Bayern, but uh, with Leipzig and all the other teams that are coming up um, in terms of the level of their performances in recent months. I mean, uh, as you said, uh, it's more important to qualify for the Champions League uh, at some point than 
to make it far in the Champions League this season. So, um, yeah, sustainable was the word okay. I was looking for. Yeah. So I but, can start yeah. rambling, uh, up now. Nah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let me ramble, but, uh, you more or less said it. I mean, uh, you know, they, they have a really big roster of talent, I would say. But, uh, yeah, to keep all those players happy, of course, they need the Champions League because Dortmund, you know, they pay a lot in terms of wages. But if you compare it to other European clubs, it's, it's still more or less peanuts. So they need the Champions League as, uh, part of the glue, as Thomas Tuchel would say. It's, uh, big attraction of of the club of course and uh lures yeah people in and, and keeps the squad together i'm pretty sure uh you know if if there is another season of euroleague uh the likes of Aubameyang certainly would not stay around for another season although it's questionable if he will but uh we will discuss this uh, i guess on on sunday or so uh you know because we had a question about a follow up for Aubameyang or striker replacement but uh, since we don't have that much time i would say uh we will now put our focus on leverkusen last leverkusen right now in eighth place they had a shocking loss against mainz after a not really uh, inspiring performance um against atletico in the champions league where they lost 4 to 2 so we can assume it will be another uh, crashing out of Leverkusen in the round of 16 in the Champions League yet again. Um, I don't know if the uh, performance in Mainz was connected to the performance against Atletico in the sense that uh, they were tired from that game, maybe physically and mentally. So maybe that one week of rest helped them to uh, get back on track. Uh, we will have to wait and see at the Westfalenstadion. Um, any team news you want to mention of Leverkusen and Dortmund? Um, for Leverkusen, uh, the list isn't too long. I think uh, Chalanoglu is obviously suspended um, for the rest of the season. Jonathan Tarr uh, still out with, I think, a hip injury or might be just a muscle injury. Um, Chicharito seems to be doubtful with uh, muscle problems, which I find hilarious because we all know that he doesn't really have any muscles. Um, as for Dortmund... The usual suspects are out in uh, Bender, Rode, Götze and Shahin, although Shahin returned to team training this week, so he might be back in the fold uh, at some point uh, in the near future. Uh, should return to the team in March, uh, then again, he's not really a huge part of the squad anyway these days, so it won't necessarily manifest itself in many appearances for the team, but he should be available at least. Um, and the, the big issue right now is the sickness of both Socrates and Matthias Ginter. Uh, they both missed team training on Wednesday. Um, I haven't heard anything that they returned on Thursday. So um, I guess the, the press conference in about four and a half hours <laughs> by the time of this recording will, will give us some uh, idea uh, as to whether one of those guys is available. And that would be obviously huge. Because if they aren't, uh, Tuchel would be forced to either play uh, Lukas Piszczek as a normal centre-back in a back four, which uh, Piszczek has never played before, I think. Or maybe just for a half or so. Uh, or he would... Yeah, just if I, if I may budge in here real quick uh, on, on Piszczek playing centre-back, I'm really not confident with him because uh, when he has to move uh, to the centre-back spot because he has to mark a player or so, uh, I always feel uh, um, centrally he doesn't look the brightest and uh so i don't i don't really i i don't really want to see that against leverkusen where uh you have to defend against quick and pacey players so if that happens i i uh yeah wouldn't really 
have too much confidence in in a Dortmund win. But sorry, continue. Yeah, the uh, the other option if you don't like Pischek there is to play with a back three, uh, back five as they often do in big games. And I guess even though Leverkusen aren't doing well this season, it's still. I think Tuchel still considers it a fairly big game and one of the the harder games left on the schedule, especially at home this season in the Bundesliga. So uh, they might go with the back three. But if Zucatis and Ginter are out, you still have only one natural center back in Mark Barta and then would be forced to play Piszczek plus uh, either maybe Schmelzer, who has never played uh, in that role. But uh, some of us ex expected him to play there uh, against Lotte when the team news came out. Uh, the game obviously didn't take place, so we don't know for sure what the the plan was from Tuchel, but uh, maybe Schmelzer was supposed to play uh, left center back there, or maybe uh, Tuchel would be forced to play uh, someone like uh, Mikel Merino or Janis Bornic there, both of whom aren't really experienced, and uh, especially in Bornic's case, that experiment didn't really work out against Darmstadt. I think Merino could play well there, but... I don't know if Tuchel is really comfortable with playing a, a back three that consists of Mark Bartra, uh, Mikkel Merino and Lukas Piszczek. That doesn't really instill too much confidence in me. So I guess everybody has to hope that uh, one of Socrates uh, or Ginta just is available and our whole discussion of the last three minutes is uh, pointless. Futile, yeah. I, I hope so too. Other than that, I do expect Dortmund to play their best 11. Uh, I mean, Dembele wasn't picked for the starting 11 against Lotte. So that, you know, suggests that uh, he was rested in, in the midweek game for Leverkusen. At least that's what I assume. I don't know if Tuchel would rest him again now on Saturday to play him on, uh, I think the game is on Wednesday actually, right? Yeah, Wednesday. S But but yeah, there should be enough time in between for Dembele to recover if there, uh, he there plays. There should actually the be enough time for everyone. Sorry, Stefan. I mean, yeah. uh, with the cancellation of the cup game, they have now had two weeks full of training with only one weekend fixture. That is especially rare for for a Champions League side in the yeah, second half of the season. Luxury. So, so it's not like uh, they need to to find players to rest against Leverkusen. And as you mentioned before, and as we talked about in the episode that never was. Uh, they don't really have the luxury of being able to prioritize the Champions League over the Bundesliga anyway, so they they have to go with the the best selection for this game. Uh, obviously, if someone has a slight knock and uh, is doubtful for Benfica after 90 minutes against Leverkusen, which is always a tough physical game because they like to break up play with a lot of uh, fouls and uh, are generally a physical side, then of course you you take him out out as a precaution. But other than that, I agree that you have to put the the best 11 uh, on the pitch to to uh, combat Leverkusen, come away with a win there, because quite frankly, the three points in the Bundesliga are, are um, at least as important right now as uh, coming away with the win over Benfica, as uh, crazy as that may sound to some people. Yeah, well, uh, to sum it up, both games are majorly important right now. It's uh, just uh, the part... And the time and the period of the season where every game has, uh, yeah, certain importance just because, uh, you know, you tend to run out of games at some point and uh, you get to, you need to get the results now. Otherwise you will be in trouble. Um, last, I have one question though. You just mentioned it. Leverkusen, of course, um, you know, they, uh, have a certain style of play and we've seen it uh, in the Bundesliga also, especially in the reverse fixture that Leverkusen uh, yeah, 
uses fouls and and a very intense style now um when when Dortmund lost to Nil in Leverkusen I thought they were also just tired after a stretch of uh, two games a week so here's my question do you think that Dortmund will uh look once again flustered by Leverkusen's pressing and and antics or do you think uh, they will handle it much better this time also considering their development overall this season since then Yeah, I think uh, Tuchel made a point about uh, bringing a bit more physical edge to the team in the winter break. I think uh, I haven't actually looked it up, but I would be uh, fairly confident in saying that Dortmund's foul numbers have increased and the fouls they've conceded has decreased. So I think they they are putting uh, pushing out the punishment a bit more themselves. I think they, for example, had more fouls than Darmstadt in that game, uh, which sounds ridiculous if you think about it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's true. And yeah, they had like 20 fouls, yeah, and <laughs> which th- was th- over Tuchel's magical. Yeah, I think line. I think that that uh, is by by design, though. I think Tuchel told his team to be more physical and not take the punishment from other teams. Um, obviously, it's uh, always about how you on, and where on the pitch uh, you you do that. I think uh, you have to uh, be. Um, careful not to concede dangerous free kicks. I think that was one of the priorities against Freiburg, for example, with Vincenzo Grifo, who's one of the best uh, free kick takers in, in the Bundesliga, at least. Um, so they didn't allow uh, any stupid mistakes there in, against Freiburg. And the same would be uh, the case for Leverkusen. Again, if we remember the, the early goal from Leverkusen from uh, was it Mimedi, a free kick or a Mimedi, set piece? Was it, uh, I think it was a free kick and uh, uh, corner. I mean, <laughs> uh, and and uh, and Weigel was blocked out. I think, and nobody really followed Mimedi. So, I mean, Leverkusen aren't really uh, the strongest of sides at the moment. I think uh, they are almost a bizarre version of Dortmund. They are capable of excellent performances against strong opposition, but also of looking pretty uh, dire against teams they should be beating or at least looking good against uh, much like the 2-0 defeat against Mainz you just mentioned before uh, I think I, I called Leverkusen a box of chocolates yesterday and at the moment the most uh, most of the chocolates are those disgusting ones with rum filling nobody likes so I guess uh, much of the game uh, tomorrow will depend on which side of Leverkusen will show up I think they they have enough quality uh, in their team and so many good individual players that if they are on a good day, they will make it tough on Dortmund. But just the same, I could see Leverkusen faltering after an early goal for Dortmund and it being a relatively smooth ride. So much of it will really depend on on how the game starts and obviously on the availability of Dortmund centre-backs. Yeah, certainly if they, you know, have a nice piece of chocolate in the very first minutes, uh, it could let, leave Dortmund with a sour taste in their mouths. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, shout out to to Julian Weigel, as uh, you just talked about him uh, and and uh, fouls in in general. I just wanted to make the point real quick that in Freiburg he had a couple of uh, really clever fouls deep in uh, Freiburg's half to stop some transition moves by Freiburg, and I think this is really necessary by Dortmund because too often they they miss those kind of opportunities to just disrupt the play. Um, I think Bayern are masters at, at that uh, that they just have those tiny fouls somewhere on the pitch to to hinder the opponent from transition if there's a chance for them to break and uh, yeah thus make it way more easily for them to defend the game because there are not too many chances for opponents to uh, have those breakaways and uh, if Dortmund 
apply the same tactics, I think they'll be fine overall. And uh, yeah, Julian Weigel, one of those players who is starting to learn uh, to time those fouls more and more. And uh, I do like the development over there. So that's that's just something I wanted to mention. And I want to see more often in the future that Dortmund uh, play a bit more clever, as you would put it. I mean, Xabi Alonso is basically the mass of getting away with a second yellow booking in every other game and uh you know maybe maybe Weigel can step into that although not being as clumsy as Alonso because age is showing there but yeah that should be all for now um because we are running out of time last I will ask a prediction of you now I'm going with the garden variety 2-1 home win for Dortmund and uh, just want to quickly uh, direct the attention of our listeners to Kai Havertz, Leverkusen secondary striker, uh, the next big thing in Germany. He's only 17, and since most of the uh, listeners probably focus only on Dortmund, this will be their first time to watch uh, Havertz, but he's really, really good and one to talk about for the next 15 years. So just uh, keep an eye on him, but uh, let's hope he doesn't uh, wreck Dortmund's game. Yeah, I mean, Leverkusen also have the likes of Julian Brandt, who is pretty exciting, and uh, Kevin Kampel is uh, also uh, someone who has really uh, had a positive impact there. He's the guy with the second most chances created. It's 30 chances in the league. Uh, Julian Brandt had, has 32 right now. Chanalulu is actually third, which means he is a big miss. But uh, that's how it is. So we'll see if... Uh, Javier Hernandez plays because he is their biggest goal scorer or maybe Stefan Kiesling. Uh, we will just have to wait and see. Uh, I don't, I don't think we actually mentioned that Leverkusen's defense right now looks, looks pretty bad uh, with Dragovic and Toprak and, and also Bernd Leno. I don't think that anyone in their back line right now has uh, too good of a season, but on their day, of course, there's Wendell who uh, can play pretty good and uh, Henrichs, I think also as a left back. You know, they they can have good form and bad form. And if they have good form, it'll be tough for Leverkusen. But we already said that. So uh, without any further ado, I will give my prediction, with a, which is a 3-1 win for Dortmund. And with that last, I think we can also knock it on the head. I'm sorry that we don't have much more time. But uh, yeah, we have other things to get to now this morning. So Lars, thanks again for doing this a second time. Um so you now have the honor of telling listeners where they can find you on the internet and your written work. Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at Lars Polman and uh, find all the links to my written work there. That is perfect. Uh, they can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. Uh, they can find the Yellow Wallpot, of course, on yellowwallpot.com. Our Twitter appearance and Facebook appearance uh, are both also Yellow Wallpot, so you can find us there if you want to find the podcast you can do that on itunes i think you have to type in the yellow wall to find it on your podcatcher and uh, find the rss feed of of the podcast otherwise you can also subscribe to our soundcloud account which is yellow wall pod and you can also find us on stitcher um yeah that would be all uh, please subscribe leave us a nice rating or whatever to and endorse us and give us more reach since we are not bleacher report or espn just yet to have uh, the uh, reach and distribution of uh, major sports outlets. So uh, we have to rely on the good word of our listeners to to uh, spread the word. And uh, we do thank you all for your kindness and your feedback so far. So uh, please keep that up. 
So yeah, that was episode 175 and we will be back before Benfica to preview that. So Lars, once again, thank you and uh, yeah, talk to you again in a couple of days. Goodbye. <laughs>